0: Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of kidnapping, substance abuse, domestic violence, and murder. We advise extreme caution for children under the age of 13. 13 13-year-old Christian Brando cowered in the back corner of a flimsy tent. It was March 1972 and he should have been at his fancy private school in Los Angeles. Instead, he was stuck in the Mexican state of Baja California with a group of men he didn't recognize. His mother, Anna had picked him up from school earlier that day, driven him across the border, and left him in a hotel room with one of her friends. Christian wasn't really afraid until she left. The stranger had grabbed him, Taken him across town and shoved him into this makeshift shelter. Since then, Christian had lost track of time. He sat perfectly still, too scared to move, as a group of men kept watch on him. Finally, one night, long after the sun had gone down, a stranger in a dark suit entered the tent. Christian's keepers tried to hide the boy, but it was no use. The stranger said he was a private detective and he'd been hired to bring Christian home. That same night, the boy was on his way back to LA. He made it to Mulholland Drive in Beverly Hills where his father, the famous actor, Marlon Brando, embraced him. Christian sat silently on his dad's plush couch. He was home, but he was severely traumatized. He couldn't stop cycling through the memories of being abandoned by his own mother, then kidnapped. He had been totally defenseless. That feeling of helplessness would never quite leave Christian Brando. And from that point forward, he would do anything to stay in control. Hi, I'm Lainey Hobbs, and this is Crimes of Passion, a Spotify original from Parcast. In the legal definition, a crime of passion is a violent crime that occurs in the throes of extreme emotion, leaving no time to reflect on the consequences. But in this show, we explore how passionate relationships sometimes lead us to criminal activity. How does a husband and wife become killer and victim or killer and co-conspirator? If there's a thin line between love and hate, what manipulates our relationships into deadly results? You can find episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. This week, in a one-part episode, we're covering the life of Christian Brando, actor Marlon Brando's eldest son. A traumatic childhood paved the way for the psychological issues he faced as an adult. In 1990, in the throes of extreme anger, Christian Brando made a decision that changed his family's legacy forever. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner. Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way. Whether you're making a delicious family meal or a post-workout snack, choose the farm-fresh taste of Eggland's best eggs. Only Eggland's best hens are fed their proprietary all-vegetarian feed. That's what makes their eggs more nutritious. With 10 times more vitamin E, 25% less saturated fat, and 6 times more vitamin D compared to ordinary eggs. Egglands Best. Better taste, better nutrition, better eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the 34-year-old Marlon Brando was already an Academy Award-winning actor. He'd established himself as an on-screen legend when he starred in the blockbuster film A Streetcar Named Desire. He was wealthy enough to own a massive home in Beverly Hills and regularly rub shoulders with the Hollywood elite. Practically everyone in America knew Marlon Brando's name, and in the public eye, he was the heartthrob of the century. He was married to a 24-year-old actor named Anna Kashvi, and in 1958, she became pregnant with his first child. Publicly, it looked like the baby brought Marlon and Anna together. Privately, though, the couple fought about everything. They knew Anna would be having a son, but couldn't agree on a name. Marlon wanted to call the boy Christian, supposedly after one of his old lovers. Anna wanted to name the baby Devi, the Hindu word for the divine feminine. The couple came up with what seemed like a compromise. Their son was born in May 1958, and they named him Christian Devi Brando. But from the moment he entered the world, the boy was torn. His father only called him Christian, and his mother only referred to him as Devi. Neither of his parents could see him for who he really was, they could only see the parts of him they wanted. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Marlon and Anna divorced less than a year later. They shared custody of Christian, meaning that even as a toddler, the boy was bounced from parent to parent. Before he even reached preschool, his life was defined by instability. To make matters worse, throughout his formative years, Christian's parents hardly paid any attention to him they were too preoccupied with their own destructive habits. The divorce catapulted Anakashvi into a deep depression. To cope, she took a type of sedative known as a barbiturate. Even on days when she had custody of her son, Anna used drugs. One of her close friends said she once found the young mother, passed out, lying in her own vomit. Meanwhile, young Christian toddled right near the edge of a swimming pool. Anna's substance abuse had a profound effect on Christian's mental health and development. Before I continue with his psychology, please note, I am not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for the show. A 2019 meta-analysis published by the Cambridge University Press confirmed how detrimental parental drug use can be. According to the study, it makes kids more likely to develop a variety of emotional, behavioral, physical, cognitive, academic, and social problems in the short and long run. This issue is complex, but parents who overuse drugs have been found to monitor their children poorly. This lack of supervision opens the door to a number of developmental problems. In Christian Brando's case, Drug use made his mother both physically and emotionally absent. For such a young child, it might've felt like his mother didn't care about him at all. At one point, Anna overdosed on barbiturates. She survived, but the close call led to another court battle between her and Marlon. In the end, Marlon received temporary custody of his son. Christian went months without seeing his mother. Unfortunately, living with Marlon wasn't much of an improvement. The actor was the ultimate playboy. He drank heavily and constantly brought both men and women home. But none of these relationships lasted. Time and time again, Christian was left feeling confused and abandoned. And though Anna's drug use was extreme, so was Marlon's dependence on alcohol, which can be just as destructive. According to the previously mentioned Cambridge study, parental alcohol abuse is also a statistically significant risk factor for children. Essentially, Christian's parents were dealing with their own mental health struggles. They had enough money to buy their son anything he wanted, but they didn't provide him with the emotional care he really needed. As he grew into adolescence, Christian felt like he was standing on ground that could give way at any moment. And worse yet, he became the primary battlefield on which Anna and Marlon fought. By 1972, when Christian was 13 years old, his parents were once again sharing custody of him. They lived in separate houses in Los Angeles, though Marlon's home in Beverly Hills was certainly more ostentatious. One day that March, Anna picked Christian up from school and drove him across the border to Baja California, Mexico. Her motivations aren't quite clear, but she could have been attempting to extend her time with Christian. Or maybe she wanted to scare Marlon. Whatever the reason, she left Christian in a hotel room with one of her friends, a man named Wooster. When Anna came back later, Wooster and her son had both vanished. She ran to the police and told them someone had abducted her child. The next day, the story was all over the papers. Christian Brando, son of the famed actor, had been kidnapped in Mexico. As soon as word of Christian's disappearance got around to his father, Marlin hired a private detective. Before long, the investigator tracked Christian down in a dirty tent with five unidentified men, a woman and a girl. It was a bizarre situation. The details about where exactly Christian was taken and why are unclear. Some sources suggest either Wooster or the men in the tent were hoping to get a $10,000 ransom in exchange for Christian's safe return. It's also not clear if Anna was directly involved in the scheme, perhaps as a way to torment her ex-husband, or if the kidnapping was simply a result of her negligence. Either way, Christian was traumatized when he got home. According to one source, He had gotten seriously ill in Mexico and had to be treated for bronchial pneumonia. Once again, his mother lost custody of him, this time for a year. Over the next 12 months, Christian accompanied his father to movie sets in Paris, a vacation to Tahiti, and a skiing trip in Idaho. Marlon was probably hoping these expensive outings would help Christian put the terrible ordeal behind him. But father-son vacations couldn't erase the teenager's trauma. The drug and alcohol abuse he was exposed to as a child had already made him feel unsafe. Now, after being abducted and held captive for days, he didn't trust anybody. One of Christian's friends said that around this time, he started buying guns. Seeing as Christian was only 14 or 15, this was illegal but the money and power that came with the Brando name likely helped him get whatever he wanted. He purchased a number of handguns, beginning a collection that would continue to grow. The firearms made Christian feel like he had a way to defend himself. He didn't want to hurt anybody per se. He just wanted to make sure no one could hurt him. From that point forward, Christian also grew increasingly desperate and defensive. In some ways, these feelings were only natural. He was in his early teens, which meant he was experiencing all the ups and downs that normal adolescents do. But because of his ultra-famous father, Christian was far from normal. Although his growing collection of guns was a well-kept secret, Many other aspects of his life were open season for news outlets and magazines. Christian never asked to be in the public eye, yet by virtue of his birth, he couldn't escape the leering gaze of the press. To deal with the pressure, Christian relied on the same vices as his parents. By 1975, the 16-year-old drank heavily and used cannabis. Although he had a few friends and several half-siblings, He felt utterly alone in the world. That same year, he dropped out of high school. Christian Brando was just a teenager, and already, his life was falling apart. Coming up, Marlon Brando tries to save his son. This is Story Booth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real life stories from real people around the world. We've received thousands of stories that we want to share with you from talking about being ghosted or realizing that being popular isn't all that great sometimes. No topic is off the table. This is a podcast that's not only for you, but by you. Story Booth Daily premieres November 8th, so be sure to check us out Monday through Friday. Story Booth Daily is a Wheelhouse and Spotify original from Parcast. 16-year-old Christian Brando was trying to come to terms with his lot in life. He was the son of famous actor Marlon Brando, but his father's money and status caused more problems than it solved. At the age when he should have been getting his driver's license, Christian was struggling with drug and alcohol use, collecting firearms, and had dropped out of high school. A lot of his psychological pain stemmed from the fact that 51-year-old Marlon Brando wasn't the most involved father. He was an alcoholic and had five more children with various women. It was difficult for Christian to form relationships with his half-siblings because they had different living situations. But more importantly, Christian didn't really want to be close to his siblings. For the most part, he just wanted to be left alone. That was one of Christian's biggest problems with his father. Everyone in Los Angeles knew Marlon, and therefore, everyone in the city knew him. With the media constantly staring him down, he couldn't get a moment's peace. Christian Brando's desire to escape his reputation isn't uncommon given his situation. According to Dr. John Altman, a Los Angeles psychiatrist who specializes in treating children of celebrities, when a parent is identified as being special in some way, a child may feel that he or she won't be able to measure up. In other words, children of famous parents are born with chips on their shoulders. They may be privileged socially and economically, but they also often experience unique psychological struggles. Christian was under immense pressure and media scrutiny from the day he was born. At 16, the weight of being a Brando was taking a serious toll on his mental health. And for all his faults, Marlon Brando understood his son's feelings. He relished the limelight far more than Christian, but he understood his desire for anonymity. So when Christian dropped out of school, Marlon didn't punish him. Instead, he bought the 16-year-old a cabin in the tiny town of Kalama, Washington. The small home was shrouded in trees and situated near a fishing pond. Christian could live there and be one with nature, totally free from the chaos of his father's home and the expectations of Hollywood. For the first time in his life, Christian actually felt at ease. He loved small-town Washington because nobody there knew who he was. He didn't have to be Marlon Brando's son. He could just be Christian, a hard-working kid who went fishing, trimmed trees for pocket money, and was learning to be a welder. From that point forward, Christian split his time between Washington and California. He hung out with friends and practiced welding in Kalama, then attended parties with the likes of Jack Nicholson in L.A. Christian had everything a kid could possibly want, and for a while, it seemed like he was headed down the right track. But there was an emptiness inside of him that fishing trips and elite Hollywood connections couldn't fill. Carol Lieberman, another Los Angeles psychiatrist who treats the children of the rich and famous, said celebrity parents tend to be more narcissistic than average. They're more focused on their own lives, which means their children get less nurturing, less attention, less love. This leaves a hole in them, which causes a lot of them to turn to drugs and alcohol to fill it up. Even though he was nearing adulthood, Christian's childhood wounds remained unhealed. The pain of his mother's drug use and his father's alcoholism still stung. He desperately wanted love and stability, but his parents couldn't provide those things. They were far too concerned with their own lives. So throughout the late 1970s and early 80s, Christian's drug use escalated, He smoked cannabis, drank alcohol, and likely used cocaine. He was adrift in practically every aspect of his life. He kept going back and forth between Washington and California. A few different times, he tried his hand at acting, but nothing stuck. With his professional life at a standstill, there wasn't much for Christian to do except date around. Being Marlon Brando's son made it fairly easy for him to attract partners. And in 1981, 23-year-old Christian married a woman named Mary McKenna. But from the start, the relationship was rocky. Christian still had an unsettling fascination with collecting guns, and his substance use wasn't slowing down. Around this time, according to one source, Marlin forced Christian into two separate rehabilitation programs. Upon each of his releases, Christian relapsed. His destructive behavior became too much for Mary to bear. And in 1987, the couple divorced. After the marriage ended, 29-year-old Christian floundered. It's not entirely clear what his mother, Anikashvi, was doing around this time, but he didn't seem interested in having a relationship with her. Many people close to Christian said he never forgave her for her behavior during his childhood. Marlin wasn't much better. He tried to be there for his son, but by 1989, he'd fathered another three children. That brought Christian's total number of half-siblings to eight. With so many kids and a high-powered career, Marlin's attention was difficult to come by. Luckily, Christian did have one important relationship. He'd grown to have a soft spot for his 19-year-old half-sister, Cheyenne. Their age difference was stark, but Christian and Cheyenne still had a lot in common. Cheyenne's mother was Marlon Brando's third wife, a Tahitian woman named Tarita Taripaya. The couple divorced two years after Cheyenne was born. Cheyenne spent most of her childhood in Tahiti with her mother because Marlon didn't have the time to care for her. Once she was an adult, Cheyenne became a model with a considerable disdain for her famous dad. Like Christian, she experienced mental health crises. She reportedly engaged in self-destructive behaviors. In one instance, several witnesses claimed to have seen her ingest kitchen cleaner. Christian likely knew about his half-sister's troubles and chances are he sympathized. After all, They were both children of a man who was practically a mythical figure. Everyone loved Marlon Brando. Everyone, that is, except his kids. Christian and Cheyenne's shared feelings for their father brought them together. In 1990, the half-siblings were fairly close. In May of that year, -year 20-year-old Cheyenne was staying at Marlon's home in Beverly Hills She would have almost certainly preferred to be anywhere other than her father's house, but the situation was complicated. Cheyenne had been dating a man named Dag Drolet for the past four years. 26-year-old Dag was from a prominent Tahitian family, and normally the couple lived on the island. But Cheyenne was eight months pregnant, and it's possible she and Dag wanted to be in Los Angeles close to Cheyenne's relatives, no matter how dysfunctional they might have been. On May 16th, 32-year-old Christian also happened to be in town. He and his half-sister met for dinner at Musso and Frank Grill, one of Hollywood's oldest and swankiest restaurants. Neither Christian nor Cheyenne looked well. Cheyenne was clearly exhausted, and although she should have been delighted that her baby was coming soon, there was an undeniable sadness in her eyes. Christian's expression was the same. As soon as he sat down, he ordered himself a drink, then another and another. Halfway through dinner, Christian had downed at least four beers and was pretty tipsy. With his inhibitions dashed, he no longer felt the urge to protect himself. He wanted to be close to his sister, He wanted to be vulnerable. So, Christian opened up. He told Cheyenne how hard things had been for him lately. His marriage had fractured and he had no real career prospects. For an average person, this would have been hard. But Christian was Marlon Brando's son. The expectations on his shoulders made his failure feel even worse. It almost made him resent his father's success. Christian watched his sister not along. Her eyes welled up, and he knew she felt the same way. But Cheyenne didn't just feel like a disappointment to the Brando name. She had a much bigger secret. With her voice lowered to a whisper, she told Christian that Dag had been abusing her. Even while she was pregnant with his child, Cheyenne claimed her boyfriend left her bruised on multiple occasions. Christian's self-pity suddenly dissolved. Now eight beers deep, his sister's confession ignited his fury. Cheyenne was just 20 years old. She was eight months pregnant. And Dag, a man six years older than her, treated her like a punching bag. It might have been the alcohol the outrage, or a combination of the two. But Christian felt like he had an inferno burning in the pit of his stomach. But he wasn't just angry at Dag. As usual, he was also raging against his father, the great Marlon Brando, a legendary actor who couldn't keep his own daughter out of harm's way. At that moment, Christian was fed up with everything, He felt like he and his sister had both been dealt the worst possible cards. Everything about their lives felt so deeply wrong. Christian finished his last drink and stood up. He was finally going to make things right. Coming up, Christian takes matters into his own hands. Now, back to the story. On May 16, 1990, 20-year-old Cheyenne Brando told her half-brother, 32-year-old Christian, that her longtime boyfriend was abusing her. Drunk and incensed, Christian rode home with his sister. They sped back to Marlon Brando's house in Beverly Hills. 26-year-old Dad Drolet was at the house, and Christian was ready to make him pay. When the car pulled into the driveway at about 11 p.m., Christian jumped out and ran inside, leaving Cheyenne trailing behind him. Marlon Brando's 12-room mansion was big enough to get lost in, so when Christian stormed inside, his sister's boyfriend, Dag, probably didn't hear him. Christian grabbed one of his many firearms, a 45-caliber handgun, and made his way back through the house. He might have been drunk, but he moved like a hunter, and he soon found his prey. Dag Drolet was lying on the couch in the den, staring at the television. Christian stood in the doorway for a moment, watching him. There are conflicting reports about what exactly happened next. According to Christian, he entered the den and confronted Dag about the alleged abuse. He pointed the gun at his sister's boyfriend to scare him. Dag believed his life was in danger, so he fought back. The two men got into a fight, and the gun accidentally went off. That was Christian's version of events, but it didn't quite match up with the evidence. According to law enforcement, the encounter probably went something more like this. Christian may have snuck into the den as Dag watched television. Dag laid in the recliner with a TV remote in one hand and a pouch of tobacco in the other. Without saying a word and before Dag could so much as flinch, Christian raised the gun and shot him in the head. When Marlin heard the blast from another room, he ran into the den and saw his daughter's boyfriend bleeding on the floor. Marlin tried to resuscitate Dag, but it was no use. He died instantly. Cheyenne, who'd run inside the house just in time to hear the gun go off, was beside herself. She wanted her brother to be her confidant, not a killer. At some point, one of the Brandos called the police. Officers immediately took Christian into custody. As someone who hated being in the press... Christian must have known a whole lot of unwanted attention was coming his way. The story made headlines across the country. Christian tried to play the killing off like an accident, but it seemed purposeful. Forensic evidence showed no sign of a struggle in the den, and Dag had died lying on the couch with his face turned towards the TV. It looked like a murder in cold blood. All the evidence was stacked against Christian. So, while he sat behind bars awaiting a trial that would surely dominate headlines for months, Marlon Brando hatched a plan to try and save him. But someone was getting in his way. Shortly after Dag's death, Cheyenne said that her previous claims of abuse were false. It's hard to know what really happened, but Cheyenne's denial shouldn't be taken as proof that the violence didn't occur. Abusive relationships are incredibly complicated both socially and psychologically. So it's possible Cheyenne changed her story to protect herself or her late lover's reputation. After all, Cheyenne was only 16 years old when she started dating Dag. According to a 2021 study published in the Journal of Interpersonal Violence, The younger someone is when they enter an abusive relationship, the more likely they are to stay committed to their partner. This gives way to long-term relationships in which the abuse tends to persist and increase in frequency and severity. Because Cheyenne met Dag at such a young age, she might have been more likely to accept and normalize abusive behavior. At 20, when she was pregnant, the violence could have reached a new level, which would explain why she confided in her brother. However, once Dag died and the threat of further abuse was gone, Cheyenne may have been crushed by the loss of the man she loved. Rather than admit their relationship had serious flaws, she might have been driven to deny Dag's violence altogether. Either way, the fact that Cheyenne now claimed the abuse never happened was a big problem for Marlon. He was trying to build Christian's defense and it hinged on the assumption that Dag was a violent man. So, rather than hear his daughter out, Marlon essentially banished her to the island of Tahiti. He sent Cheyenne, eight months pregnant and traumatized by the sudden loss of her child's father, thousands of miles away. Cheyenne was left alone while news of her boyfriend's death saturated American headlines. She gave birth to her son and, still reeling from the crime, was admitted to a psychiatric facility. But Marlon was too distracted to think of his daughter. He'd hired the best lawyers money could buy to defend his son. Unfortunately for him, the forensic evidence was just too clear there was no way to get Christian off scot-free. Instead, his attorneys settled for a plea bargain. In January, 1991, Christian Brando pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter. Although this was technically a lesser charge than homicide, he still admitted to purposely killing Dag in a moment of extreme emotion. And that was all Los Angeles newspapers could talk about. Marlon Brando's son, Was a killer. Two months later, in March of 1991, a judge sentenced Christian to 10 years in prison. He was incarcerated at the California Men's Colony at San Luis Obispo. While he was behind bars, Cheyenne's mental health continued to decline. She experienced severe depression and lived in almost complete seclusion. In 1995, she died by suicide in Tahiti her four-year-old son, Tukey, was left an orphan. Shortly after her death, and having served less than half of his 10-year sentence, 37-year-old Christian was released on parole. Almost immediately, Marlin shuffled Christian off to his cabin in Kalama, Washington, hoping to keep him out of the news. Christian really tried to live a normal life, Just like he did as a teenager, he trimmed trees and worked on his welding. But the knowledge of what he'd done to Dag and by extension, his sister, gnawed at him. Christian thought he'd been protecting Cheyenne. He wanted to keep her safe to make up for their father's absence, but he didn't know what was true and what was false anymore. Even if Dag had abused Cheyenne, Christian had caused far more problems than he'd fixed. And if Cheyenne had been lying, Christian didn't even want to think about the possibility that he'd killed an innocent man. Either way, Dag didn't deserve death. Neither did Cheyenne. And their son, Tuki. Christian couldn't wrap his mind around the number of lives he'd ruined. So he turned to the only coping mechanism he ever had, drugs. In addition to alcohol, cannabis, and cocaine, he also started using crystal meth, a highly addictive stimulant. The substances allowed him to pretend nothing ever happened until the high wore off and the guilt washed over him all over again. From that point forward, Christian's life spiraled. In the year 2000, law enforcement officials arrested him for drunk driving. After failing to show up in court, he ended up back in jail for two nights. In 2001, a Washington police officer responded to an emergency call at a local's home. When he arrived, he found 43-year-old Christian huddled beneath the kitchen table, yelling about a monster he said was chasing him. As if things couldn't get any worse, Marlon Brando died in 2004 at the age of 80. Christian had been on his own for a while, but now he truly had no one looking after him. Upon Marlon's death, Christian moved back to Los Angeles. He lived in the home on Mulholland Drive, the same house where he'd shot Dag 14 years prior. But he didn't stay in Beverly Hills for long. Family members fought over what would happen with Marlin's estate, and it seemed the executors didn't have much sympathy for Christian. They kicked him out of the house and promptly sold the property to Jack Nicholson. At that point, Christian, a man who'd grown up in one of the richest neighborhoods in the United States, was homeless. After a while, he got back on his feet. He found a seedy apartment in another part of Los Angeles, His luck seemed to be gradually shifting. In October 2005, the executors of Marlon's $20 million estate issued Christian a one-time lump-sum payment of $200,000. Sadly, handing him that much money at once was a recipe for disaster. According to those closest to him, Christian squandered the funds on drugs and alcohol The rest of his life consisted of a barrage of drinking, a few short-lived and reportedly abusive romantic relationships, and more arguments over his father's estate. In 2008, after a lifetime of trauma, substance abuse, and violence, 49-year-old Christian Brando was diagnosed with double pneumonia. By the time he made it to the hospital, he was already in critical condition. On January 6th of that year, Christian died. He was surrounded by some of his half-siblings, one of his ex-wives, and even his mother, Anna Koshy, whom he hadn't seen in over 20 years. In true Brando fashion, they reportedly bickered, even as Christian drew his last breaths. Today, the Brandos remain an extremely famous family, but Marlon, the man who started it all, left a mixed legacy. At the time of his death, he'd fathered at least 11 children. Some estimates put the number closer to 16. He's still considered one of the greatest actors of all time, but his private struggles with alcoholism and his failures as a father are undeniable. Often, when journalists write about Christian Brando and the murder of Dad Drolet, they say Christian never really had a chance at a normal life, Because of Anna Kashfi and Marlon Brando's problems, Christian was fractured from the day he was born. That doesn't excuse what he did. Dag Drolet didn't deserve to die. However, Christian was both a killer and a victim, and that's what makes his story so tragic. Thanks again for tuning into Crimes of Passion. We'll be back Wednesday with another episode. For more information on Christian Brando, among the many sources we used, we found the Guardian article, The Boy Brando Lost, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Crimes of Passion, as well as all other Spotify originals from Parcast, on Spotify. We'll see you next time, when true love meets true crime. Crimes of Passion is a Spotify original from ParCast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Crimes of Passion was written by Karis Allen, with writing assistance by Georgia Hampton and Terrell Wells, fact-checking by Haley Milligan, and research by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood. I'm Lainey Hobbs. This is Story Booth Daily. Tune into this new podcast for your daily fix of real life stories from people around the world. Story Booth Daily premieres Monday, November 8th on Spotify. Story Booth Daily is a wheelhouse and Spotify original from Parcast.